0: Please turn, if you would, in your copy of God's Holy Word to Matthew chapter 5. We'll consider the fourth Beatitude uh, in our ongoing series on the Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 will be our text, but I'll read uh, all 12 verses that encompass the Beatitudes, so Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12, A particular focus on verse 6. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Amen. The Lord bless his word. Let's pray. Our gracious God, the God of the word, who has given the word of God to be preached. We pray now that as the minister comes to preach the word, that uh, the minister would be filled not with his own thoughts, but with the thoughts of God, that he would preach God's thoughts after him, and that God would fill his heart and his mouth even by the Holy Spirit, and that uh, the people of God here, whether they be a child or an adult, would all behold the face of their Savior by faith. May you open our hearts to receive Christ through the preaching of the Word, and may this time of preaching be to the glory of God. We pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to behold now the wonderful things that are found in the Word of God. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, last time we had considered the third mark of blessedness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we heard what meekness was, its two great components. Insofar as it pertains to God, it is a willing submission to God, God's will. God's will in the word of God, God's will in providence, in trials, and so on. And insofar as it relates to man, meekness is a gentleness towards all men. We heard it is not weakness. To the contrary, it is a strength. It is a strength because it relies on God for strength. It relies on God's power, it relies on God's sovereignty, it relies on God's ways, and so a meek man or woman has the gift of being gentle and kind, yet firm to those who revile them. It is a gift from God. And We heard that the blessing and promise for those who are the meek is that they will inherit all things. They are children of God. They will inherit all things as heir of God and co-heir with Christ. And once again, we saw that meekness was a requirement for the Christian. It is a grace that is given as part of the new birth. Well, with that, uh, by way of reminder, we come now to the fourth beatitude. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, in this, we find a spiritual hunger and thirst, a, a spiritual craving. And boys and girls, I'm going to use that word because It'll be an economy of words for me tonight, rather than to say hunger and thirst continually, I will just say a craving. It's a spiritual craving. And uh, what you will note here is that for our help and for our faith, Jesus likens this spiritual hunger and thirst to carnal hunger and thirst. So that you may have something of an analogy because hungering and thirsting we all experience, unless there's something disordered about us, which I'll get to in a moment. Because physically speaking, hunger and thirst is is primal or fundamental. It's an urge in men that is actually for our well-being, if you think about it. You know, there's a disorder that has come about after the fall called anorexia, which is not confused with anorexia nervosa, where people who are hungry force themselves not to eat but pure anorexia is a disorder in which one does not feel hungry at all so one actually doesn't have the sensation of being hungry even when their body is famished that's a dangerous and a deadly disorder you know children if our uh, lord did not instill into our bodies hunger and thirst and you never felt it what would happen to you you would not eat or drink You would starve or you would be dehydrated. And in any case, you would die without even realizing what is happening. And so God's wisdom and God's providence and God's design is to give us a sense of feeling famished so that we would know to go and find food and drink. Without this sensation, uh, you would find death. And so what you now understand through this beatitude is Christ speaks of spiritual hunger and thirst in the same way. It's a blessed thing to spiritually hunger and thirst for righteousness when you lack it. Though, as Christians, I think sometimes, and this is why the Lord teaches this is the blessing, at times the Christian perceives this sensation of this lack of righteousness as woeful, as doleful. Because you look at the world and so many just go about their day and their business without any sensation, any mourning, any hunger or thirst after righteousness. And they seem fine. And the Christian says, what is wrong? What is wrong with me? Why do I feel like I fall so short of the glory of God? But Christ says this blessing, this is a blessing. It's a blessing to hunger. It's a blessing to thirst after righteousness. It comes from God. Again, let me press the analogy with physical hunger and thirst. Just as without the sensation of physical hunger, you die, without the sensation of the spiritual hunger, the spiritual thirst for righteousness, you die eternally. And so there is a blessing that comes with it. And so you consider how the spiritual craving and its blessed fulfillment is taught when Jesus said these words, children, you know them well. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 6.35. And so you see here, there is a blessed hunger, there is a blessed thirst, and blessedly it is filled when we come to Christ. And he says, you will not ultimately hunger and thirst anymore, because you will be filled with me. So our theme then tonight is, in view of these things, blessed are those that crave righteousness. Blessed are those that crave righteousness. And uh, we'll have three heads tonight, so that differs from prior sermons in the Beatitudes. First is craving justification. Second is craving sanctification. And third is cravings examined, where we examine what our cravings are. So first, craving justification. And I will consider the craving for righteousness under two parts, as I've already displayed in the headings. First is to the craving of justification And the second will be craving for sanctification. Both of these are good cravings. So first, the craving for justification. Now, the craving for justification is the first craving for righteousness that the child of God will experience. It's a hunger and thirst for righteousness that we do not possess in ourselves. For the child of God will understand that there is a righteousness required of God to be justified before his sight. There is a righteousness required of men to be justified by God. And those that crave this righteousness know to enter heaven, they must be perfectly righteous. We read it in Romans ten five. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. So that's the righteousness which comes of the law. And so the child of God who who begins to hunger and thirst for righteousness looks at the righteous demands of the law and hears that they must do all things in the law of God. They are to keep the law of God positively and also negatively in that they are not to sin and they are to do works of righteousness perfectly and completely. They are to love God and love neighbor without stumbling in any point, in any time, in thought, in word, and in deed. They are to do justly. They are to love their neighbor. They are to never hate. They are to ever love. They are to never lie. They are to ever edify. They are never to be unchaste. They are ever to be clean. They are to never steal. They are to ever bless what they're giving. They are to never covet. They are to ever be charitable. They're not to blaspheme God, but they are to bless the name of God and glorify him all the day and do this all with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength and with all their mind. And we'll hear that this Lord's Day with Luke 10, 27. And the child of God, who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, recognize that they have done none of this. And they have fallen short of the glory of God. And they hear that God says to them, and they hear it as though God is speaking to them only, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10. And they say, I certainly am not righteous. I am the sinner. But these are the blessed ones, but most do not crave after righteousness, after hearing all this from the word of God. We know that. We might even have family members who don't crave after righteousness, after hearing all that, being proven that they are sinners. Most will say, I am a good person. I, God will have no controversy with me, and he will let me into heaven. How few today will experience that, undoubtedly, Lord willing, on Friday, um, as both our elders have prayed. How many will out there on McKinney Square mourn the fact that they are not righteous? Very few. Now the question is, as we come to the beatitude, are those men and women blessed? And the answer is no, they're not. They're not blessed. The blessed ones know that they need, they they crave righteousness, and they know they don't have it in themselves. In fact, the parallel text, and we've considered this months months ago, maybe a year ago, uh, the parallel text from the Sermon on the Plain, In Luke 6.25, Jesus says the counterpart to our beatitude is, Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. We'll consider that a bit later, but there's not a blessing, there's a woe. But some of you, and I hope here all of you, have felt this craving for righteousness that you have not had in yourself. But you have to ask, why do I have this blessed craving for righteousness and not everybody does? And the the blessing here, and the reason it is a blessing, is that this is a gift. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit that you possess, that not everybody has, that goes well with our sermon from this Lord's Day, from Luke 10. The Spirit gives a man or a woman the spiritual sense, the spiritual, you might even say sensibility, to crave after righteousness. Righteousness. Jesus said in John 16:8 of the Holy Spirit, "And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He reproves, and that means not just children rebuking, but he convinces. He convinces you, He convicts you, He exposes our need. He shows us, when he comes to us, what our goodness is, as Isaiah 64 says, "that all of our righteousnesses are what? as filthy rags." And we we look and we're clutching nothing, nothing good. And we crave after righteousness. That we know with the Spirit's help that we cannot and will not be counted as righteous or just in the sight of God. And because of that we are headed to eternal misery. Because we know the righteous, or he puts into our heart from the word of God the righteous requirement of the law. And the law says you are a sinner and you've got Uh, No righteousness of your own. All of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Disgusting in God's eyes. Then to those that the Spirit descends upon in the saving way, that craving comes. That craving comes. That blessed hunger for uh, for righteousness comes. And they feel it as keenly as blessed Lazarus did, uh, begging for scraps from the rich man's table. Fill me, Lord, fill me with this righteousness. They see themselves as one who is undone before the Almighty, needing righteousness but not having it. And as they do, thankfully, the spirit that convicts us of our need for righteousness, will, in our effectual calling, because it's all bundled up in that, brings a word to us, a word from Christ like, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And that's the blessing. That's the blessing of the craving they have. The Spirit not only gives them the hunger, but also shows them the remedy. That it's in Christ. And Jesus says, he will fill those that cometh to him. And as you think on that text, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. You have to ask the question and maybe you've never asked it before. Who is allowed to come to him? If you feel the gnawing, who can come? Can anybody come to the Lord to be filled? Or can only a select few come to the Lord when they crave righteousness? Blessedly, all the texts that we've considered today have pointed in this one direction. All who crave can come. All who crave can come. John seven thirty-seven. Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This is what the Spirit opens our heart to, our minds to, when he gives us not only the hunger, but also puts before us the feast, puts before us Christ, and we see him invite us to the feast. He doesn't bar us from the feast. He says, if you thirst, come. If you hunger, come. He doesn't give you any qualifications. He doesn't put any exclusion. He says, if any, if any, you say, okay, so I can come. But you might think, well, I must surely bring something to the Lord so that he may give me what I ask for. What is the price here? Must I um, bring something to the church in order to gain this? Must I do some sort of penance must I go on some sort of pilgrimage? Must I do a certain good works before he will give me this heavenly manna? What must I give to Christ to purchase such a treasure as this? Because the, the man or woman who has this hunger, this, this craving, they, they will pay anything to have it. They would do that. And you think, they think about their earthly food, right? And they think, well, I do have to, as the saying goes, even on this earth, in, in this society, there is no such thing as a free lunch. And they wonder about this with the Lord. After all, I have to labor for my, my food. The Lord provides, but he uses my labor or I have to pay uh, for food in the grocery store. But Jesus says, no, you buy without price. He says, come as a beggar to be filled by faith. Isaiah 55, 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And the thing about this beatitude is you wonder how much is he going to give. But he says, thou shalt be filled, you shall be filled. He says there will be nothing lacking. It's not like, okay, well, I will get some from Christ, enough to get me started enough to get me going, and then I will labor for the rest myself. He says, you will be filled. You will be filled with what you need, with what you lack. Nothing left out. And how can that be when it comes to righteousness, you might ask? Well, it says, uh, being filled with what you lack here, the righteousness that justifies. This is the blessing of the gospel, isn't it? It comes from the Lord himself. It is perfect, it is pure, it is spotless, it is complete because it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so you wonder at that too, right? How can there be anything lacking in, what the, the, in the Lord's righteousness? And so I am filled. This was prophesied, children, in Jeremiah 23, 6. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. Jesus Christ, Jehovah in the flesh, is our righteousness. And how did he he earn this righteousness? Well, when he came to this world, he lived a perfect life. Yes, all those things that were too high of a bar for us, he did. He loved his neighbor, he loved his God, and perfectly so, thought, word, and deed. Such that when our faith is in him, his perfection, his righteousness is imputed or credited to us. Boys and girls, this is the beauty of it. If you hunger and thirst for Christ, you put your faith in him, his righteousness is yours. All of it. Not part of it, all of it. Second Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made, what? The righteousness of God in him. You receive it simply by faith. Romans 3.22 speaks of the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto, you just look at the expansiveness here, unto all and upon all them that believe. Not some Christians get the full righteousness of Christ. All Christians do. And isn't that a beautiful thought? That no matter how much Christian experience you have, if your faith is in the Lord, you have all of his righteousness. All of it. Is this not the blessing? You shall be filled. You shall be filled. Is this not, you know, we talk about blessedness as a mark of happiness, a sign of favor from the Lord. What keeps you, Christian, from going home happy? Having heard that. And knowing that. He says, this is your blessedness. This is your happiness. Is this even the stuff of happiness for you? We'll have to consider that in our final heading, but you have to think on these things. And and when you sin, child of God, you need to remind yourself of this blessedness. Ought you not? To look to the Lord, to be convicted of sin, is a blessed thing. It ought to make you crave Christ all the more. To see your standing is in Him when you crave after righteousness. To adore Him and praise Him and bless Him for giving you everything you lack that you have hungered and He has given. You have thirsted and he has supplied rivers of living water. He has not given a trickle. He has not given a sprinkle. Robed in the righteousness of Christ, you say what? There is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Why? You have a perfect righteousness and praise God for it. Well, with time being what it is, in other ways, this craving for righteousness does not end in this life. In other ways... Because justification is a beginning, but it's not the ending, and it's not the end of Christian experience. So let's next consider craving sanctification. Now, even as our craving for righteousness that justifies is satisfied when we are saved, after being converted, as I've said, the child of God still craves after righteousness. And this is the confusion that you might have. It's like, okay, I am saved, I am converted, I have the righteousness of Christ. Why do I still mourn? Why do I still seek after righteousness? That's proper then. And the the beatitude here says it's blessed that you do. Because we are being sanctified. We are becoming in our person more righteous and holy. That we grow in grace and we become more Christ-like. To resemble Christ in all ways. And so the child of God... Craves sanctification, as in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, showing that sanctification is through uh, the Spirit. Uh, We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And we crave what Ezekiel prophesied the Spirit would do, Ezekiel 36.27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So the child of God understands that still in this life, they still fall short of keeping the commandments. And rather than just saying, well, you know, Christ justifies and so that's that. They actually desire to walk after the Lord and they desire more and more to be righteous If a a, a thief, they seek to not be a thief any longer. They don't just say Christ has covered my sin. They say, no, I I want to be like Christ. And Christ has saved me not to be a minister of sin, that I would walk in holiness and righteousness. And I still fall short of these things. And so they hunger and thirst after righteousness. They crave to be more holy. And what the Spirit does by use of the ordinary means of grace, word, prayer, sacraments, is... He infuses grace into us that we may exercise it unto holiness. Now, just as you hunger after your daily bread, brethren, you are to hunger daily after righteousness. You're to thirst for it. You're to hunger for it. You're to crave it. And the promise always has to be remembered that the blessing of craving these things is that God by his grace will fill you. You see, you don't... You don't go in unbelief thinking, you know, if I'm a, if I have a problem with my mouth today, that I'll always have a problem with it. I look to the promise and I say, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Fill me, Lord, with what I need to put this away. You come to this blessing and you plead this promise. And I'll just say that this hunger, this blessed hunger Often has to be moved in a direction of being fed with spiritual food, doesn't it? See, this is part of the problem: is when we have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, we have to go to know, we have to know where to go rather to to be fed. And children, would you know where to go to be fed when you feel this hunger or thirst? Well, predominantly, it is to be the Word of God. In fact, think about how, after we are converted, the Word is uh, is portrayed to us. Do you know how the word is portrayed to us? 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may go thereby. So this hungering and thirsting after righteousness, in a sense, is helped by us going to the word of God. And the point is, and we'll look at this briefly in our third heading, is that whatever you crave for, let's consider your food. How often are you hungry for your uh, physical food in the day, children? And how often are you craving spiritual manna, spiritual food? The idea is that we ought to be craving more than our natural food, the spiritual, the spiritual food. What did Job say? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What does that tell you? Uh, you ought to be hungering and thirsting for the word of God more then you ought to be hungering and thirsting for even your daily meals. Some of us just can't wait to have our next meal. Well, we ought to be that way instead, first and foremost, with the Word. This is a craving. Job had that craving, didn't he? A craving for the Word of God, and you ought to crave it to grow in righteousness. Our feeling of a lack of righteousness should drive us, push us, press us into the Word of God. Uh, It's interesting that we prayed this way. Jesus prayed, Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. How are we sanctified? Through the word of God. The word of God that is truth. And I want you to remember always that that great high priestly prayer is a prayer that is continually being prayed in a sense by our Lord. Now you put that together. You hunger and you thirst after righteousness. You hunger and thirst after the word. What is happening in the heavenly places? Jesus Christ is saying, Sanctify them by thy word. And if you will come to the word by faith with such promises and understanding the work of Christ, what is happening? He is sanctifying you. God is answering the Son of God's prayers and you are being sanctified. And this is the blessing again of our text. You shall be filled. Now, I don't have time to go over every kind of craving that is righteous But let me consider just some, and I'll just spit these out, so to speak. Rapid fire, so you can understand good cravings that you ought to have and you ought to um, grow in. You think about there ought to be a blessing to dying to self. Isn't that righteous? Ought that not be a desire we ought to have? To die to self. That's a righteous desire. God will bless that, Jesus says. There is a blessed craving to put away Uh, and uh, put away besetting sin, isn't there? That is a righteous desire. You should crave it. God will bless it. Whenever you say, wretched man or wretched woman that I am, that's a blessed craving for righteousness, isn't it? God will bless it. There is also a blessed craving to grow in newness of life. That is righteous. To grow, to be like our Savior. There's a blessed craving to do good works. For that is righteous as well. There is a blessed craving to love God better. That is righteous. Oh, to love God better. To love God more deeply and purely. There's a blessed craving on the other direction. To love neighbor better. That's righteous as well. That is a a longing after righteousness. A craving after righteousness. There is a blessed craving for a deeper and greater faith. That is righteous too. Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Isn't that a craving that we ought to have? Most of all, there is a blessed craving for the person of Christ, for that is righteous. The 42nd Psalm, when David pants after the Lord, what is that but a craving, a hunger and a thirst for God? There are many hungers and thirsts for righteousness, beloved. And what Christ says, it would be to your blessing to have them. To desire these things. And that is what you must realize and must never despise. For when you crave a righteous thing, will you remember Christ's promise? You shall be filled. That's what we do by faith. We we take the desire, the craving to the Lord. We come and we bring this beatitude number four to the Lord, and you bring the promise in prayer, and you say, Lord, thou hast promised, I shall be filled. And that's how faith is exercised. This is a righteous craving, uh, beloved. You know, and, and you think about we've come to prayer tonight, and we've already had several prayers by our elders that move in this direction of praying for more righteous things. You know, those are the things to be praying for first and foremost. And if you do pray these things, what is the promise? Maybe you've never tied these things together. Tie them together tonight. Crave sincerely these spiritual things. You will be filled. Most of all, knowing that these desires are righteous because these are uh, desires that make you more like Jesus himself. All these righteous things are moved in one direction to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you put that together, maybe with Psalm 37, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. What a wonderful desire. What a way to say, "I, I desire the Lord, I delight in him because I want to be like him. And would that not be a great desire that the Lord would answer in prayer? Commit thyself, thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So let's also then put in line, as I know I have to end this heading soon, our physical cravings with our spiritual. Um, we have spent much time as a congregation. Um, Speaking of Matthew 6.33, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Those are physical things. So now you can put the physical and spiritual together, can't you? You crave after righteousness. You seek those things. You don't have to worry about the physical things. And he will fill you not only with physical things that you need, but also give you the spiritual things you lack. What a wonderful thing it would be to take this beatitude and then just a chapter later in Matthew 6.33, seeing him say, seek after righteousness and you will be filled even physically with what you need for life. What a blessing the Lord gives to seeking after righteousness then, to hunger and crave after it. So then in our final head, and we'll conclude on this thought, craving examined. Let's examine ourselves and what we crave in this life you can first ask just this question. Have we ever craved after righteousness at all? You know, the warning, if you do not, is in Romans 10.3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So if you have not submitted yourself unto the righteousness of God, if you have not craved after yourself if you think that you have been good enough, you are sorely mistaken. And you are headed to hell where you to die at this moment. And so you are to hunger and crave for an alien righteousness. You heard he gives freely. You are to take freely. And you will be filled. And so that's the unbeliever. And I pray that there will be none here tonight, especially after tonight. But for you believers, should you not also examine what you crave for in this life? If you not examine what it is you really hunger and thirst after the most. And I mean you can still hunger and thirst after lawful things in this life. Jesus doesn't say you, you shouldn't hunger and thirst after your food. You shouldn't have a desire for good things in this life. No. But what is it that you hunger and thirst after most? Is it after righteousness? Is that what you're craving for? What has first place as your hunger? Is it a craving for God and the things of God? Think about Psalm 42. I alluded to it for a moment. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That is a righteous thirst. And the question is, is that where our hunger and thirst is most? Or are we hungering and thirsting after Uh, unlawful things which is completely prohibited but even after lawful things inordinately we ought to crave first and foremost after God as though we cannot get enough of him if you crave God then naturally what follows is you crave after the things of God don't you you will crave the word of God by which he speaks you will crave the worship of God by which you come and appear before God. When shall I come and appear before God? That's what you say. You don't say, when must I come before God? What day is it? Oh, it is uh, Saturday. I guess I'll have to come and appear before God tomorrow. No, on Monday, you are already anticipating, when shall I appear before God? Whether And then you realize that I don't have to just come in public worship. I can come in my closet I can come in family worship and I I pant and I thirst for him. You will also crave after the works of God that he has established for you. It is God at work in you. You know, these are righteous hungers. These are the things we ought to crave and the list we considered some in the last heading. These are the things you ought to crave. And God says, blessed are you if you, uh, if you do and Christ will fill you. You know, some Christians have absolutely no appetite for the things of God. Being here tonight is probably the last thing on their mind. They would much rather, and I'm not saying that about people who are providentially unable to come, that's not who I'm speaking of, but they're just, I'm talking about desire, I'm talking about craving, I'm talking about wanting to be someplace where the Lord is. And I'm speaking of people who would much rather watch uh, another rerun of their television show than to be here or to be in any place, or in the Bible, or any place where God is found. What is it you crave? Even some of you who are always present and engage in the things of God may do it out of a bare duty and not a hunger and desire. Maybe that's you here tonight, and, and children, maybe that's you. You are to crave and desire God. You are to want Him. And if the craving Christian for God and the things of God has gone away. You need to mourn that fact. But what do you do when you mourn? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You see how all these things work together. So if you mourn, there's a blessing there too. But then drive yourself Ask for that hunger again. Lord, I once hungered, I once couldn't be found any place else on the Lord's Day, but in the assembly of God's people, I couldn't wait to be there. I hungered and I thirsted for God. I would read my Bible for hours on end, perhaps, but that's gone away. Give it back. Even in religion, as Reformed Christians, our craving for the things of God can be carnal too. If you do not, first and foremost, crave after righteousness, which is the practice of religion, ultimately, and not just the knowing of the doctrines, but, right, it is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, not just justification, but sanctification. If you're not seeking to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, not purely abstractly, not merely to shoot off your mouth to your brethren, but also to legitimately walk in holiness and righteousness with the Lord, you are not craving after righteousness. And that's a warning for us all, especially in this, in this place tonight, is that you can want to know every bit of trivia about God. You may want to argue left and right about the Lord here, there, and every other place, but you may actually not really crave righteousness. You crave something else. So you have to check your heart. Uh, the righteous man or woman seeks to walk in holiness and righteousness before the Lord. We are to know orthodoxy, absolutely. We, but we are, you think about this, we are sanctified by the truth. We are sanctified by the word. And if there is no sanctification happening where we can look at our lives and see that there's being changes made and that we actually desire more than anything else Us being changed. There is something wrong with us, brethren. We ought to desire to be changed. Change me, Lord. Make me more like Christ. That is my first and my uh, uh, pressing business with the Lord. But if you're craving, on the other hand, let's put aside the in-house issues. If on the other hand, Christian, you are craving lust and you're craving worldliness, that is deadly. If that's where you're at, where you're craving the things of the world more than the things of God, you are on a very dangerous path that can lead to apostasy. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. None of us should say, "I I have enough of God. I have enough of my own personal holiness. Woe unto you is what the Lord says. You are deceived. And, and he says, you shall hunger. And so if you're chasing after the world and things of the world, worldliness is empty. New car, new home, new phone, new movie, it never fills. Which is why they keep making inane superhero movies, left and right. And you all go and watch them. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. These things don't fill. The soul. Lust and sin are deceitful. Its pleasures are fleeting, scripture says. It never fills. So let me just say it. I'll just have to say this. Ask God to put away anything that you are seeking to fill your soul with that is not Christ. Well, time is up, but here's the blessing. There is no righteousness we lack that God cannot supply. Right? Faith looks to the fourth beatitude. Faith prays for it. Faith pleads for it. And faith will receive it in due time. This is what faith believes. Because we are persuaded, this is the faith that justifies after all, that what God has promised, we are persuaded by faith he is able to perform. So when we say we hunger and thirst after any righteous thing, the promise is you shall be filled. Ultimately, our craving for righteousness is a craving for Jesus because God says Jesus is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, First 1 Corinthians one thirty. So all of our righteous cravings find satisfaction in Christ. And he can fill us, and I will leave you with the scripture, because being God, he has promised to fill us with the fullness of God himself, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What an astonishing text that is. You seek to be filled, you can be filled with the fullness of God himself. Sometimes we divorce that text from its context when we say now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. What is that beyond what we can ask or think? that we can be filled with the fullness of God. It's an extraordinary thing. That is where the craving for righteousness takes us, and it certainly clues us in on how great the blessed filling is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. May the Lord bless our meditation. Let us go to the Lord in praise with Psalm 34.